0: Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for
1: listening. We now join the service in progress. Jade. When you get to know Brother Rich, Brother Rich likes to have a good time. That's one of the things I love about him. He likes to have fun. And uh, he can be quite the storyteller, too. And uh, occasionally the stories he tells are true. But uh, most often there might be some embellishment. So I thought of a third story I want you to share, okay? We've got to keep folks awake after lunch. That's a challenge. Many of you don't know who David Gibbs is. He's the president of Christian Law Association, big-name. Big time guy, you know, very impressive guy, what have you. And how did it go that he got word? And you know, the big house, when we say the big house in Michigan, we're talking about U of M, their football stadium. Word got to David Gibbs that what? You had played in the big house? Yes. Do you remember the story? them know, but Come I'm on, going. come on, come on! You got <laughs> confession is good. You'll feel better. I will feel better this. after I tell that. Thank yeah, you.
0: you. You tell that it's with the audience. Thank you. And uh, how did you get in trouble over that? One? We were at a conference in, in Lancaster, and uh, of course, I, I played high school football, and I was uh, you know hoping to go on and coach, and I loved football. We had undefeated high school team we played on. So, but I went to Hiles Anderson, and I was played flag football. That was the extent of my college football, you know, flag football. We did win the Super Bowl at college, you know, Hiles Anderson, you know. So. But I was in the, in the lobby there at Lancaster Baptist Church, and, and a friend of mine from college is Dr. David Gibbs' assistant. And he says to me, hey, there's Rich Sidlowski, the All-American football player from Michigan. You know, he's laughing, you know. So we're, you know, Hiles Anderson, and I played on the flag football team. So, well, David Gibbs overheard that. So that night afterwards, we're having this dinner with all the pastors and their wives, and he walks over to my table, and he says, Wow. You know, I, I Wow. I'm like, Yeah, wow. He says, The big house. He said, he's, And I don't know if he's talking to me or not, because we're all sitting. He says, What's the big house like? I said, It's incredible. <laughs> you know. <laughs> he asked me questions, you know. He said, what was Bo Schimbecker like? I said, man, he was ornery. He was tough. <laughs> he asked me questions that I, any, you know, sports fan from Michigan would know. What was Woody Hayes like? Man, he's just an idiot, you know. He's just, a, <laughs> just, man, he just, you know, bugged you, you know. And so my wife is squeezing my leg like, you know, you're acting like you played at Michigan, you know. And he just kept going on and on, and he's asking me, and he's telling me he went to Ohio State, and play golf there and you know all about his career and everything and, and he gets done and walks away and and Mr. Mr. And Mrs. Weaver are sitting there they're teachers at the college and they taught us years ago and they looked over at me and said you never told us you went to Michigan and I didn't say a word to him I never did tell him I didn't, I got all these couples sitting there so that that night the, ne- the next day um, Dr chapel saying hey tonight dr gibbs is speaking and he has a special guest and i'm like great it's me (laughs) what other independent baptist pastor played for michigan and played in the big house you know i don't know of any he's going to use me as an illustration because he's a great illustrator so i i didn't even want to come to service that night i'm thinking oh man this is bad he's going to call me up there and i'm going to have to act like i played for michigan so i emailed his assistant i did not play for michigan Okay, I did, that never happened. That was, I played flag football, you know, <laughs> tell him I play. so I never did tell him the truth, and so he comes to speak for me at my church. This is a year ago, you know, he had a meeting there in Palm Springs, and he had a, that Sunday open. so his assistant called and said, hey, would you like him to speak? I said, sure. And so he, we go to lunch afterwards, and he's, he's sitting with my family, and he says, uh, what about Michigan, did, did you, he's talking to me, you know, and my family. And then he looks that way, and all my family are like, tell him, Dad. I said, and I'm not telling him. I'm not telling him the truth. He forgot all about it, see, he didn't. And um, I never have told him the truth. I never have told him. But David Gibbs is a great, great man. He actually, uh, um, you know, he was with us, went to lunch with us. I mean, he didn't know me from Adam other than the fact that I played in the big house, okay? <laughs> and he didn't remember that. He's a big-time preacher, you know, and, and we, he, he came to our church just by accident because he was there trying a case in Palm Springs, had that Sunday open in December, which he normally took off. And uh, we went out to lunch, and, of course, he learned about Becky's situation. And so he actually paid our way to go to Arizona to go to a Seattle Seahawks football game. He took care of everything. His assistant made all the reservations, bought us tickets down there where the rich people sit, and uh, it was just really uh, quite moving, to be honest with you, that he would be thoughtful to do that for her. And uh, it was very special. And so I better not ever tell him about that, okay, that I didn't go to Michigan. He probably bought that thinking I went to Michigan. He was he rewarding me. No, but... Uh, He's just a great man, great person, and, you know, listen, God's people are just wonderful. It's just, unless they lie like I do, you know, then, you know, but, but uh, that was a big story. I, I may have to tell him the truth. He's, he's coming back to speak next year. I got another year I can wait, amen? Make him think. But uh, we're thankful. take your Bibles and turn to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1. When I, when I left Houghton, when Houghton Lake 13 years ago, Brother McMorris calls me up after. He says, hey, I, I wanted to let you know I met the new pastor. And I said, oh, you did? He said, yeah, I was over at a meeting at Kobiak. I met the new pastor there. He says, he's nothing like you. And I said, okay. he says, uh, he's young. Okay. He's, he's thin. <laughs> he's, uh, he's very very serious. Very serious-minded. And he's very smart. That's what he said. He says he's young, he's thin, he's, you know, he doesn't. He's very serious and he's very smart. And I said, so well, thanks. That's compared to me, right? He's totally different than I am. So I bring that up to him all the time. That was, you really encouraged me there, and uh, about that. And so, if you need to be encouraged, talk to Brother Morris. He'll he'll let you know exactly how your replacement person. I'm just my replacement guy was. But uh, anyways, um, we kid about that a lot. I'm thankful that God uses everybody. Amen? And uh, God can use us. But let me tell you something. We're all on call. You know, uh, we find here in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah's life is pretty good. He's the king's cupbearer. He's in the palace. You know, he's sitting right over here. The people come into the palace. He's a trusted person because he's the cupbearer. He's sitting right there. You know, making sure, tasting any food, making sure everything's okay for the king. But he's hearing all the business of the kingdom. I mean, he's right there by the king and queen. And, uh, and so his life is good. I'm sure he had a nice place to live. I'm sure he had uh, all that uh, anybody could want uh, when it comes to the riches of the day. And uh, so here he is. Life is good. Everything's smooth. And uh, the Bible says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakali, uh, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu, that's December, in the twelfth year, as I was at, in, in Shushan, the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity concerning Jerusalem and concerning Jerusalem. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes opened, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned, and we have dealt uh, very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But... If ye turn unto me, and keep my commandments, and do them, though there were of you cast unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather gather them from thence, and bring them unto the palace that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants, and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power, and by thy strong hand, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and, uh, and the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the strength that you give to us. And God, guide us now in all that we do, and all that we say, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Nehemiah is a perfect example of somebody that God had a plan for, God had a, had a preparation for, and uh, that God was going to use. They didn't know, he didn't know it, but all that happened in his life leading up to this moment, this time, uh, God was preparing him, and the message came. The message came of the need for the need of the children of Israel. And um, uh, immediately, immediately, Nehemiah catches a vision. Immediately, Nehemiah wants to make a difference uh, in the lives of his brethren, in the lives of the people, in the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And uh, and so it is with us. If we are going to be people of vision... We've got to be ready. We've got to be prepared. What does God want me to do? What does God uh, have for my life and, uh, and my, my ministry, my family? Um, we're, we're living in a day and age where we hear of needs quickly. Um, through Facebook, through Twitter, um, we can know of somebody's needs all the way cross-country. We can know of a missionary's needs instantly around the world. And, uh, and so our lives, many times... We're comfortable, but God's call, our need comes before us, and we have to be people that respond. We have to, listen, we're here, we're here on a divine assignment. You young people working at Kobiak, you're there here on a divine assignment. You're starting out. God has a plan for you. God's preparing you, and God will see you, and God will guide you, and God will see you through all of it. But uh, this is an amazing place. This is the miracle in Mayo, but the miracles now and the miracles in the future. Today is the day of the salvation. And today is, is the day that God wants to bless and God wants to bless this church in the future. And so this is it. Vacation Bible School coming up. The workers in Vacation Bible School and all those that will help out. Then into the fall and people coming back to church and getting into church and doing a work. But if we're going to have people of vision, if we're going to have people that will make a difference, there are some things here in this passage that I want you to notice. First of all, we we need to be willing to sacrifice. Nehemiah had to be willing to sacrifice his peace, the the prosperity that he enjoyed, his political power. I mean, he had political clout. He was the king's cupbearer. But really, in doing what he did, he was risking it all. When he goes before the king in the, in the next chapter, and he doesn't look happy, immediately the king says, what's wrong with you? Are you sick? Normally you're happy. When, when you came into the presence of the king, your job was to make him happy. Your job was to look sharp. Your, your job was to be on top of things. And, to, uh, and by the way, that's what leaders do. As leaders, we can never have a bad day. We have to have good days. I, we, uh, we opened the 2000th Walmart in the city of Beaumont, right by our church. The 2000th uh, um, uh, Super Walmart in the country was opened in Beaumont, California, and I was asked to do the prayer of dedication. You know, somebody from our school worked in the office, and they said, hey, does anybody know a pastor? And and they said, okay, we know somebody. You know, it's pastor over here at Mountain Avenue Baptist Calvary Christian School. And so I'm up there on the platform. I got all the big brass here from Walmart from across the country. And I'm standing, got a huge crowd. We're going to cut the ribbon. We're going in for, to shop for the first time in this super Walmart. And uh, what did I do? I told a joke. I shouldn't have told a joke. I told the joke. I said, you know, I get up there and all these people, all these dignitaries, and all I'm supposed to do is Pray. And I said, I, I had a, a friend of mine uh, told his wife when, when he dies, he wants to be buried in the Walmart parking lot. And all these people are like, what in the world? Walmart parking lot? And he said, he, he, you know, he said yeah, he said, because I know, honey, if you bury me in the Walmart parking lot, you'll visit me at least four times a week, my grave. <laughs> and, you know, and everybody laughed. They're all like, whoa. And... Uh, after that, the guy comes up to me and he says, we want you to come to him, at which isn't too far, and we're going to have you do the prayer dedication for all the managers every time we have a graduating class. Would you do that? And I said, sure. So I would go to these, these meetings. they call me and I'd go in there and I didn't tell any more jokes, but I, I'd pray with them. And, but I remember him saying this, if you're a Walmart manager, you never can have a bad day. If you don't feel good, stay home. When you come in, you need to look happy. You need to lift your employees. You don't, you don't come into Walmart and have a bad day. This is their, their director telling these graduates, you know. And, uh, and I thought about that. I thought, you know, that is true. As Christians, we don't get to have a bad day. We just got to, as a Christian, what can, can we really have a bad day? In Jesus, we have it all. In Jesus, my life's always okay. In Jesus, I always have the joy of the Lord. In Jesus, I can always have a smile. I've always got something to be thankful for. Things could be bad, but I've got, listen, things could be bad in my life, but I always have a whole lot more to be thankful for. And so our job as leaders is to lift people up. And the job of Nehemiah was to lift the king. He goes into his presence, he says, your countenance, what's wrong? And he tells him the story. You know, I've, I've heard that my people in Jerusalem, uh, the wall's broken down, and I want to go and, and help rebuild it. And he said, well, how long do you want? And so the king and the queen there, they talk about it and they give him so much time. And he says, listen, I need some help. Would you give me passage? Would you write me a note? Would you give me a king's command? And the king does it. And then the king says, hey, listen, we've got all this materials and all this stuff. And because of Nehemiah's relationship with the king, the king provided all the stuff to rebuild the walls. He provided it, took care of it. And Nehemiah goes on to, and and they rebuild the wall in 50 days, and it's a great success. But they had to fight. It wasn't easy. Nothing done for God is easy. Nothing that you'll do in your life. By the way, if you're going to raise your children for God, that's not going to be easy. If you're going to be an influence for God, nothing in this world is easy. But I can do all things through who? Christ, which strengtheneth me. He guides me. He helps me. And so in Nehemiah's life, it was a calmness. He had it made. He was trusted. He was living in the palace. He had the prosperity. He had the political power. And yet, he knew he had to do something when he heard about the needs of God's people. He heard about the needs of his brethren. And so all the peace that he had and all all the calmness he had, he gave it up. Why? Because he had a vision. He got the vision for God's people. And um, what we have to do is realize and understand this. When when something comes to us, when a need comes to us, that's God's way, that's God's plan. And the first thing that, that we see in Nehemiah's life, he's brokenhearted. He breaks down. The Bible says here he enters into a time of fasting. I sat, verse 4, I sat down and wept and mourned in certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He's fasting, he's weeping, he's praying. His life is no longer, he's no longer laughing. By the way, we talk a lot and we kid a lot, but Brother McMorris and those of you that are in leadership and you know those of you that are grandmas and grandpas and families and so on, you're leading people. When you have a genuine heart for people, you'll weep a lot. Because you'll be broken when people's lives are broken. It will impact your life. The peace in your life, this is what happens. We hear of people's needs, we pray about them, and we take them to the Lord, and we leave them there. But there's a time when our peace and our joy, not our joy, but our happiness, we carry the burdens of others. We were uh, leaving to go to City of Hope on Thursday, and a man lives right around the corner from me, and he had his children in our school uh, for a few years and he's a good guy uh, pl- goes to another church in town i hate him because he hit a home run off me in softball this guy's a little scrawny guy i'm like oh this guy ain't gonna boom hit it over my head i wouldn't talk to him for a week no i'm kidding you but i, I kevin's his name and i call him up i said kevin could you he said he would do our tile in our house he's a carpet cleaner and he said i said hey can you do this we're going to city of hope we'll be gone all day he says, okay. He says, uh, things are a little bit rough right now. I said, what's going on? He said, well, my wife and I are separated. And I sa- he said, I moved out. I said, why would you move out? He said, well, we're having disagreements over, over how to discipline the children. I said, Kevin, what's the disagreement? His kids are like 10 and 12 years old, and he's got a little girl about four or five. I said, Kevin, get back into the house and work that out. Your kids aren't on drugs. Your kids aren't on alcoholics. They're not pregnant. They're out of whack. Way- you don't have any problems here, Kevin. You've got to get back in and lead your family and help them, encourage them. Get your wife. In. You guys go to church every week? Yeah, we go to church. Get your wife into a good take. Get her, you guys go to a good couple's retreat and learn. Learn how to discipline and be consistent with each other. And you go to a men's retreat and you send her to a ladies' retreat. And you just work that out. You can't. So here I am. I'm just trying to get my carpets cleaned, right? Now I enter into that problem and try to help them. And I'm burdened for him. He's my neighbor. He lives around the. You get the picture here? Those of you that are, are involved at all with people, that happens almost every week where you find out about somebody and you're giving them advice. You're saying, get in there, stay in there, hang. When I get back, I'm going over to see him. Now I'm not his pastor. So sometimes when you're not their pastor, you can just tell them like it is. You know, get in, get back over there, Kevin. You low down rotten. You know, whatever. I said you don't have a big problem. You don't have a big problem. His wife was, uh, you know, had had a rough childhood. You know, and was went from foster home to foster home. I said she has a hard time disciplining the kids because discipline to her reminds her her of a bad thing in her life. Discipline's not bad. You need it. And I said, just go in there and love her and help her. And now you've walked out of the house, you're abandoning her like her parents. Get back in there and be with her. And I said it kindly and graciously. But, uh, but that's the way it is. Those are things that are happening all around us. And we can just ignore that or we can say, hey, give them some advice and help them and pray for him. Take that burden to the Lord. Now, we've got to leave it there. I'm not God. I can't change people's lives. But I can, bring, I can bring them before the throne of grace, before God, and I can give them advice and, uh, and, and give them direction. And that's just the way it is. That's what we do and the ministry. And if you're involved in ministry, if you're a born-again Christian and you have children and grandchildren, you're going to have that. You're going to be helping people. You're going to be counseling and encouraging. And that's the way it is. So the life can be calm and good today. Uh, Brother McMorris will call me up, and he'll say, uh, P- Pastor Rich, how you doing? We probably talk once a month, usually. And I say, well, right now it's good. In, in, in five minutes, it could be bad. Because right now, I don't have any main problem, but the phone could ring. The only, the only, you get the picture, the only people that call me are the people that have needs. And I'm there to help them. I'm in the emergency ward. I'm trying to help people. And uh, again, when you're in leadership, that's what you do. You have a calmness in your life, but when that when that call comes, you go to God. Sometimes you pray and fast. Sometimes it's that big of a need, and that's what uh, that's what he's doing here. That's what Nehemiah is doing. There's a need, and he's responding to it. Jonah, when that need came to Jonah, what did he do? He didn't go. He, went, he, he went, got, got on the ship, headed the other direction. He didn't want to, to deal with it. And, uh, and so we have a choice as leaders. We have a choice as human beings to ignore the problem and flee from it or to confront the problem. But to confront the problem means we go to God. God is the answer. God is the one that can meet people's needs. God's the one that can help your neighbor. God's the one that can help that person down at work. God is the one that can do anything. And eventually in your life you're gonna get to the point where only God can solve these problems in your life, in other people's lives, and so go to God. Learn to people with vision, people that want to make a difference, learn to just go to God first. Sometimes people just say, Well, let's do this, this, and this, and this and this, oh then okay, none of those work, let's pray about it. No, go to God first. And then do this, this, and this and this, and let Him work it all out. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. And I mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And look at what he said. I said, I beseech thee, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and, and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. You see, he went to God, he prayed and fasted, and, then he, and he praised him. God, listen church, God is awesome, God's unbelievable, God is merciful, God is loving, God is is a God of justice. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said, I came not into the world to condemn the world, because the world's already condemned. I came to be the Savior. And so... Listen, people that die without Jesus will spend eternity separated from him forever. That's, that's what the Bible teaches. And so my job and your job is to get the gospel to them and pray that they'll receive him and, and, and be convicted and receive the Lord Jesus Christ and become a follower of his. And so we come immediately to God. Why is that? Because we are his. We're his workmanship. Keep your place there and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. The Bible says we are, we are his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Um, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10. For we are his workmanship. "...created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember, that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are, who are called uncirc- the uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at the time that ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers... Uh, 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 and and strangers from the covenants of, of promise, having no hope, and without God in this world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And so we are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We're his workmanship, created into christ jesus unto good works we're to be people of vision we've got a job to do we seek it out we get a job done for god the life of the believer is not a life of calmness it's a calmness in my heart it's a calmness in my soul it's a peace that when i die i'm going to heaven but i've got a job to do here i've got to be watching i've got to be ready when the, when the need comes to be a help to somebody, to, to give them a phone call, maybe a text message, maybe a, maybe a note, a send a card, to be an encouragement. Maybe it takes a, even a little bit more than that. But when we think about a people of vision, they've got to be people that are willing to sacrifice. Sometimes that's time. Sometimes it's uh, just that peace in our lives. Then we've got to be willing to seek God. Again, through prayer, we've seen that. We praise God. But we persevere. We keep on. It says here he prayed day and night. He just kept praying. He didn't stop praying. He didn't quit. Day and night, day and night, praying for the needs. We've got to praise him, but we've got to persevere. We've got to push through it. And then we see he's, he's, he's repentive. He says, not only has the country sinned, but I've sinned. Not only has the family, but we've all sinned. We've all sinned. And so, if you're going to be a person who's going to make a difference, you've got to keep your accounts with God short. You've got to ask forgiveness. You've got to confess your sin. You've got to be willing to say, hey, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I made a mistake on that. You know, and we're not, uh, 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 you know, we're able to lead a, a couple to Christ today, and we give out gospel tracts. We've seen many people saved. Over the last several months, I've been able to lead many people to Christ. But you know, Brother Glenn, there's a lot of people I passed by. I didn't tell everybody. So I'm not, you get the picture, I'm not a perfect man. If I gave everybody a track that I saw, that's what I should do. I don't. Sometimes I give this one, I see people saved. I see a lot of people saved. But the truth is, I could see a lot more if I did more. So I've got to confess that. I've got to ask God, God, forgive me. I confess it. I just need to be a little more aggressive. I need to be a little more alert. I need me to do more for you, God. And uh, as I encourage my church and the people that, that serve with me there at Mountain Avenue, we all could do a little bit more. So we've got to be willing to say, Lord, I want to do more. I'm going to do more. And then he reminds God of his promises that he made to Israel. And he said, if, you, if we'd return, that you would return the blessing. You'd, you'd bring us back. You'd help us. We're going to repent, God. We're going to get it right. He reminds God, and he prays to God and said, Lord, you, know, you said if, you would, if we would repent and come back, that you would uh, you'd take care. You'd bring us back. Help us build this wall. Help us, oh God, get this done. And so people of vision, people that are going to make a difference, are people of sacrifice. They've got to seek God, and then they've got to realize they're sent by God. You're on a divine assignment being here today. Why are you in church today, and you're not out boating somewhere, just not an unsaved person living in Mile, Michigan, or in this area? No, you're on a divine assignment from God. He's saved you. He's called you. You're here. There's a lot of opportunities to serve Him through witnessing and through praying for people and, and just loving one another, building up the body of Christ. The Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron. All of us need each other. All of us do. We need each other. We've got to work this thing together. That, that, that's the pastor, that's the deacons, that's everybody involved here. Nobody in this room, in this church, in this ministry, doesn't need the prayers and support and the camaraderie and the, and the unity of the body. What part of your body is not important? What if you were just one big eye? You know, and... Uh, I think about my kids they're one big ears. My daughter Amanda, she can hear everything in the next room. What we say, we'll be whispering. She say, "I heard that." I go, "You got big ears in there, you know what I'm saying?" She can hear everything. But everybody in this church here is important. We all have a job, and we all need to do it. We all have to be people of vision. We can't just have this person, this person. Everybody, hey, we're all here to win people to Christ, to bring glory to God, to pray for one another, get the prayer sheet, support missionaries. And I'm telling you, just love each other. Lift each other up and be an encouragement, one to another. So we must realize, not only do we sacrifice and seek the Lord, but realize we're sent by God. We're on a divine uh, mission. Your position's no accident. accident uh, what God has blessed you with is no accident. You, know, you can support missionaries and support things and, and give to help others. And the blessings of your life... The position that you have, the place that you have, God has given to you. God has given us all things. The amazing thing to me, church, and then I'll close, is this. God shares his glory with us. You understand that? Um, There's people by God's grace through the years I've led to Christ. I've got to see them. But you understand, there's nothing about me. It's all Jesus died on the cross. God sent his son. The Holy Spirit touched them. All I do is deliver the message to them and lead them in a sinner's prayer. And, man, they really think, wow, this church here is so wonderful. It's so beautiful. God built this church, though. God did it. We have a wonderful ministry in in Banning, California. A lot of good people. We've seen a lot of people come to Christ over the years. But, you see, we get to, you know, people respect us. They love us. You know, God shares that glory. I didn't do anything. But I get to be a part. I get to deliver the message about Jesus. When I give that message and that person gets saved, they love me. They're thankful to me. And I tell them, it's him, it's not me. I just was privileged. And you see, you're privileged to take that message. You're privileged to, to deliver a message from Almighty God. You're his feet, his hands. You take a gospel track and you go to somebody's house and you deliver and they get saved. They'll they'll never forget you. You lead them to Christ, they will never forget you. As long as they live, and God allows us to be a part of what He's doing in churches like this, and churches like our church, and all churches like this all across Michigan, all across this country, and they rose up and they got out and they voted a conscience for the future, freedom for Christianity. And that's why this election went the way it did. It was all about Christianity. It was all about freedom. It was all, all about our rights and so on. It's happening in California. And people rose up and people went out and they just, they just got involved a little bit. But what we have to do is keep moving forward for ourselves, our families, for our, our churches, for the ministries, for our missionaries. And I'm telling you, God has great things in store for Christianity, for this country. But it takes people of vision. You know, we've got to be a little uncomfortable. We've got to be people burdened. We've got to be, have, be people that will seek God, that will follow God, that will sacrifice some and realize we're here and we're sent by the God of heaven. I'm thankful. Vance, Vance Habner wrote this. I thank God for the unseen hand. Sometimes urging me onward. Sometimes holding me back. Sometimes with a, a caress of approval. Sometimes with a stroke of reproof. Sometimes correcting. Sometimes comforting. My times are in his hand. We're in his hands. We have time. Let's do something for his glory. And all God's people said, amen. Father in heaven. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.